1: At luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus, terms and conditions supply.
3: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome back. It is VSIN's Bet Center. Final hour of the program before we lead you into the Greg Peterson experience beginning at 1. A.M. Eastern Time, uh, of course. Remember, daylight saving. As well, so uh, Greg will have a fun time keeping track of hours there. I'm Jeff Parles. It is Vison's Bet Center. Ben Wilson with us, the usual co-host of this show. Uh, ben gets to do three segments and be done with work today because he's in Abilene, Texas, uh, for uh, calling some collegiate soccer throughout the week. And Ben, the final fader follow before we get into some Survivor talk. The fifth selection is the Green Bay Packers getting seven and a half in the contest, seven in most spots now, 1,098 selections at Kansas City. Now, this has been a week and a half for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers gets ruled out, and we'll get to Survivor in a little bit. uh, Green uh, Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers, who gets ruled out on Wednesday with a COVID positive test, then whatever you want to call that interview yesterday with Pat McAfee, which, oh, boy. woo there are a lot of words, but we don't even have time to go through all those words on Rodgers yesterday. But Jordan Love, from a football perspective here, Ben, his first career NFL start comes against a Kansas City Chiefs team that is four and 4-4. Four. By the way, also Green Bay will get Devontae Adams back. He got activated from the COVID list. Alan Lazard back. He was activated from the COVID list. And Marcus Valdes-Scantling, who got activated from IR. So, Green Bay's going to have their top three receivers back after having none of them last week in their win at Arizona. And Ben, they draw Kansas City, who's 4-4. Four and four. Their four wins are against the Cleveland Browns and the three bad NFC East teams in Washington, Philly, and the Giants. They just beat the Giants by three on Monday night in a game where if the Giants didn't play a, a poor game, probably would have won that game at Arrowhead Stadium. Ben, I'm not surprised that seven and a half is in the contest. I'm gonna follow this with Green Bay, and I would not be surprised if Green Bay wins this game outright with Jordan Love, Ben.
3: I love the confidence. I <laughs> this is a this is a tepid uh follow for me. At the seven and a half number, I, I get why people are doing it. I think the accurate number here is probably seven. Let's just think about this for a second, Jeff. Kansas City closes ten last week against the Giants. And keeping in mind, too, that that line was probably inflated because, A, Kansas City coming off a a horrific loss. The the narrative there was big big bounce back potential, get right spot at home on a Monday night game. You had all the the public money coming in for the primetime spot, so probably a a point higher than it normally would have been. And in retrospect, that game probably should have been like a six, six and a half type spread, don't you think, Jeff? I mean, when all was said and done Mm -hmm. with how Kansas City, I mean, you think about that about the Giants, third defense that has at least been is at least improved over the last few weeks, and, and Daniel Jones has shown signs this year, quarterback. So, look, you, you think about a, a similar spread like this where it's seven. Should should it really be that high? Is, and I, I get most of this is just the simple reaction to well, Aaron Rodgers is out; it's him. He's worth seven to line, and it's as simple as that. And, and this thing did touch as high as eight before getting bet uh, back down. I'm not convinced the line should be that high when you think about a Kansas City defense that is bottom five in, in pass defense, bottom five in rush defense. So I think of it this way. Are, are the Packers with Jordan Love really worse than the New York Giants' current state of that franchise? I don't I don't think so. I mean, it's, and it's hard to really quantify that because the Giants technically are, have been slightly better with their defensive numbers. And you do worry with Love. I mean, he, you know, coming out of college, I I felt a little bit. Similar to him in the way I felt about Sam Darnold coming out of USC, where any any guy who struggles with turnovers in college, I'm going to be automatically wary of going right into the NFL. Where it love it throws 17 picks to just 20 TDs as a senior at Utah State, so that element worries me. But I mean, this is it, it's been weird watching it. The Arrowhead crowd, Jeff, the last couple of home games. I mean, it's not your normal raucous sea of red like going nuts type atmosphere. I mean, they are. They are very impatient, just kind of like their own offense when they're on the field. They're extreme, but they've been extremely demanding now these past couple of games, and they've been quick to kind of get on the team. So I'm not so sure that it's just going to be a, all right, love going to be thrown to the Wolves here and and really struggle. It's a bad defense he's going up against. He might make a couple of bad mistakes. That's the only thing that worries me. But I still think it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. Chiefs should not be laying probably more than a touchdown to anybody, even at home outside of uh, the Texans. Jets and probably Jaguars. And uh, look, I think I asked you last week uh, while that game was happening, like how many teams in the NFL win that exact game that the Giants lost? And I think you you replied, uh, what, 28? And I think that's probably the right answer.
4: Yeah, after thinking about that a little bit longer, it would have probably been the Jaguars wouldn't have, the Texans wouldn't have, the Dolphins wouldn't have, the Jets with Zach Wilson wouldn't have, the Jets with Josh Johnson or uh, Mike White may have. Uh, and Washington, those were the ones. Those are the teams that I, I looked at at the end. So, look, I don't disagree with you on that. And, and look, for Kansas City, you're, you're, you make a good point about the fa- about the relationship with the team and the fans at the moment is a little bit on shaky ground. We saw leading into the Giant game, multiple social media posts from players, including Tyron Ter- Matthew, uh, complain, uh, talking about just the fan base. Uh, it turned on them. They were, four, they were three and four going into that game. A bad start, of course, but... Team has been in the Super Bowl back to back years, and and look, Ben, I think the biggest thing in this game, the the offensive play calling for Green Bay, which it's of course when Rodgers is in there, it's completely different because he's he's a football savant um, for for Rogers, and we know that the play calling doesn't have to be perfect for them to really be able to do whatever they want. This play calling sequence for Green Bay in this game has to be basically perfect for Jordan Love early. So you make sure you don't get a scenario where Jordan Love is turning the ball over early in this game, because that's the way this game gets out of hand for Green Bay. Is if Love doesn't know what he's looking at, and you get all sorts of turnovers early in this game, as you said, again, a guy who was a high interception guy at Utah State, usually that doesn't translate great to the NFL.
3: Yeah, I'm totally with you. That that's the one uh, part of this game that that would worry me. But I mean, you think about though on the defensive side for Green Bay. They do a lot of things similarly to what we saw out of the Giants last week, and what teams have done well in the past this season where they're a team that has really struggled against the run on defense, but they are a team at the same time where Wall, while I mean, Joe Barry's had his struggles there with that unit, still like 18th in defensive passing. They've been much better on third downs than on other downs against the pass, so they've at least been a team that that you would think will continue to follow this this blueprint where you just play a, it, you cover too deep, force Patrick Mahomes to be patient, which he has really yet to show that he that he will be, and he kind of dare Kansas City to run the ball on you, which I'm not sure. I mean, we're so you know we're halfway through the year, Jeff. At a certain point, you you stop running out of time to make excuses for Kansas City, and even though the turnovers, it, it seems like there's some bad luck in there with three four drop passes on some of those Mahomes balls, but. At a certain point, I mean, you are what you are what the numbers say you are, and, and to me, Kansas City—it's just a sloppy offense that has a, the chance for high dynamic plays, but at the same time, a lot of inconsistencies and some sloppy play, and, and as a result, you're going to see turnovers that follow, and it's, it's kind of why we continue to feel like. Market, even though we're in week nine, Jeff, the market is still overvaluing this uh, this KC team, even even with all the craziness going on on the Green Bay side.
4: Man, I am following all five consensus plays. That, that is, is not that is, that is not a good sign for any for anyone. A really bad sign for me, and it's probably a horrible sign for a sign for the consensus this week. What a, consensus what? what <laughs> uh, they, they, they,
3: consensus has gone four and one in the past. So, you know, consensus never. at
4: five and oh two weeks ago. Your consensus right now with, uh, at 20, with 23 points in the circa million this year, Ben. So they've had a pretty good year. Let's move over to Survivor, of course. Carnage last week with 40% of the field going out, thanks to the Bengals last week losing to the New York Jets. This week, Ben, going into Sunday, 24% have already advanced. 287 entries had the Indianapolis Colts. So, Ben, I'm going to ask you, since the Colts have already gone through, of the next five, so two through six in Survivor, which Buffalo is second to 249 entries, 21%. Pittsburgh hosting Chicago on Monday night, 151 entries, 12.7%. Baltimore hosting Minnesota, 126 entries, 10.5%. New Orleans hosting Atlanta, 122 entries, 10.3%. Buffalo, by the way, is at Jacksonville, the biggest favorite of the week. Dallas, 111 Entries selecting Dallas nine percent hosting Denver. Who of those five—Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, New Orleans, and Dallas—is most likely to
3: lose? It's New Orleans, which is kind of a weird, a weird thing to say since you would be backing Matt Ryan and the Falcons on the road in a spot like that. To me, Jeff, that and that's a, that's a contest. That was a contest play for me. Falcons at, at six and a half. I, I would I would be really w- wary of backing Trevor Simeon in a spot like that after he come off the bench. He looks so good in a defensive game where New Orleans they've had Tom Brady's number time and again in, in Tampa Bay. That, that spot makes me feel a little uneasy because we have seen the Saints team under Sean Payton this season and the first Sands Drew Brees year be so Jekyll and Hyde. A lot of that has had to do with Jameis Winston. But are you really ready to, to to put all your faith and all your eggs into a Trevor Simeon basket? Now that a defense is actually having some time to scheme him up, even though Atlanta has been a, b- a bottom 10 unit most of the year, I, we've seen that our, Arthur Smith's team has kind of had this weird, it's, not, it's been a nonlinear trajectory, Jeff, but it, they've at least had some spots where like, they, they've had slow, steady improvement, and then they'll have a couple of plays where they, they forget to play football for like a quarter. Uh, but you know, if you think about last week, they played really solid for a half, ultimately against the top 10 Panthers defense, just couldn't really move the ball. I think they'll be able to move the ball against the Saints defense that, to, to me, it is a, not necessarily a letdown spot. It's, it is a divisional game. But I think the Saints defense will be a, It'll be a different type of pressure. They, it's, it's a different type of scheme with how Atlanta is, is trying to use Kyle Pitts more, with how they have really focused on using Cordero Patterson. And with those two guys healthy, I, I expect them to have big games in a spot like this. And also so much of it is game flow. When you have Trevor Simeon at quarterback, you need to be up. And they were up last week against Tampa. It really did change the course of the game. So that's when I would be, I would be staying away from that. I would be staying away from Miami. I know you didn't mention them yet, but those are the two I'm staying away from this week. My pick, we're going Baltimore. I'm taking them in Survivor.
4: There you go. Ben Wilson going with Baltimore in Survivor. Ben, enjoy Abilene.
3: I have an extra hour tonight in Texas. So...
4: There you go. He's Ben Wilson, the usual co-host of this show. When we get back, we're continuing through the Week 9 slate in the NFL on V-Sins Bet Center.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: This is Bet Center on Veen, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Indeed helps find great hires fast, and it's also your all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, hiring high-quality people fast. Visit Indeed.com/slash/credit for more. It is VSN's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Pars live at Circa here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Greg Peterson, experience coming your way in 45 minutes. Big thanks to Ben Wilson for, uh, for giving some time down there in Abilene, Texas for uh, for the show, going through fade or follow. Again, the Circa Sports Million three contest. Consensus was San Francisco plus one. Chargers minus one and a half. Bengals minus two and a half. Patriots minus three and a half. Packers plus seven and a half. I was following all five, which means that we're probably going on 5 this week guys sorry sorry in advance on that one uh survivor I, i'll give my thoughts quickly here cuz i didn't didn't give them uh at the end of that segment of the most likely of the top 5 remaining selections cuz indianapolis was the top selection and they advanced on thursday the most likely to lose is pittsburgh but i don't think pittsburgh is going to lose I, look, New Orleans with Simeon is also an interesting candidate like Ben brought up, and we'll get, we'll dive into that New Orleans-Falcon game in a second here. We'll actually start with that and then move to the Giants and the Raiders after that. But I don't see Baltimore losing. I don't see Dallas losing, even though I don't think they're going to cover. And I definitely do not see Buffalo losing. And it looks like James Robinson is trending towards not playing tomorrow for Jacksonville, which means Urban Meyer can use all the Carlos he wants. He'll be the only one who's happy with that. Him and Carlos will be the two that are that are happy with that. Uh Buffalo, I, I this was I discussed this with Gil Alexander in a numbers game earlier in the week. This would be the week where I would I would really consider using your Thanksgiving teams. And look, uh, almost forty percent using Thanksgiving teams this week with Buffalo, New Orleans, and Dallas. You throw in the Raiders as well with five selections. So uh a little bit more than usual utilizing the Thanksgiving teams this week. Let's go to Atlanta-New Orleans. Let's start there, and then we'll move our way through the final 1 o'clock Eastern game. New Orleans right now a six-point favorite in most spots against the Atlanta Falcons. Calvin Ridley not going to play. He's away from the team for non-football reasons. Trevor Simeon will get his first start since week two in 2019. Trevor Simeon played half a quarter before uh, tearing ligaments in his right ankle on a hit by Miles Garrett. New Orleans, this is fascinating for New Orleans because the Saints last week, close four-and-a-half-point underdogs, shocked Tampa Bay. They're now, since Brady, getting to Tampa 3-0 in a regular season. And, of course, the only loss to Tampa was in the playoffs last year. Jameis Winston's season is over, unfortunately, with the torn ACL that he suffered last week. Simeon, to me, is a guy you can win games with. Taysom Hill's going to be active, but... We don't know the role, role yet. He'd missed three games with a concussion. Simeon last week for New Orleans was totally adequate against Tampa Bay. Nothing wrong with his performance. 16 to 29, 159, and a touchdown for Simeon in relief. I expect a lot more Alvin Kamara in this game for New Orleans, and that defense has been really good so far this year. Tampa really was the only Tampa, and really, that, uh, that game against the Giants, and it was really only a, a, a two drives where the Giants really moved that ball, been able to move the ball against New Orleans. Atlanta, Jekyll and Hyde, as always, three and four on the year. Their wins are against the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Jets. So bad teams are the teams they have beat this year. Their losses, they were beat by Philly, big as we know. Tampa destroyed them. They lost to Washington at home. Lost to Carolina at home. Atlanta's really not a good football team. But this is a good spot to go against a team that is overinflated at the moment in New Orleans. Off of that win where, let's say New Orleans loses by a field goal. And with Simeon, well, you'd probably be four and a half. Probably be the market. I think this is a point and a half too high because of what we saw with New Orleans' impressive win last week against Atlanta. So I think this is a good spot to go against a team that is probably at their peak in a way of power ratings and such for New Orleans. So I would look at Atlanta. This is a very difficult prop game. This is not a great prop week in general across the NFL. So I, I again, I, I am curious to see how Kyle Pitts is utilized last week with no Russell Gage and no Ridley. They doubled, the, the, the Panthers double teamed Kyle Pitts and basically said, you know what? Someone else got to beat us. And no one beat us last week. No one beat them last week, I should say. Looking through these props, maybe a quarter L Patterson prop. Maybe you go with that. Go with Patterson over uh, 67 and a half rushing and receiving combined, maybe. Maybe that's the way it would look. It's just a tough prop game, Atlanta and New Orleans on that one. So let's move along to what I think is the most difficult game from a side perspective to handicap this week and that's the Vegas Raiders at the New York Football Giants. Giants of course last week coming off of a loss on Monday night short week 20 to 17 they lose to Kansas City on Monday night. The Raiders off a bye last time we saw them they beat up the Philadelphia Eagles 34 to 23 the final and on that one just down the road here at, or excuse me, thirty three twenty two, I should say, just down the road here at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, this is uh, this has been a week for the Oakland Raiders, where the tragedy uh, Henry Ruggs uh, with uh, with a car accident, Dwy, uh, killing a twenty uh, three year old and her dog uh, on in a car crash where he's driving almost one hundred and sixty miles an hour in his in his car. Uh, Ruggs obviously. Uh, it was released by the Raiders, and I don't know. Again, the psychological aspect for the team here—it uh, feels like this will play a little bit different than the Gruden firing did, where that's like a forget him moment with Gruden. Forget him. We don't need him to win. And for the Raiders, who are down to four healthy—or excuse me, five healthy wide receivers—to practice squatters brought up this week. Uh, expect a lot of Brian Edwards. Expect a lot of, uh, even more so, of Hunter Renfro. And the Raiders have not been good off the bye recently. Last five years, one and four. Straight up. Laying points on the road. Early start time for them. Against a giant team that, as we saw on Monday night, that is a horribly coached team. Horribly coached team. Maybe the worst coached team in the NFL other than Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is the worst coach in the league right now, the head guy. And I hate Mike Zimmer, too. I think he's a terrible head coach at this rate. But what Joe Judge and Jason Garrett have done, Joe Judge after the game blaming the headsets not working and that story ended up being nonsense the next day, this is a really strange game to handicap from a side perspective. I don't mind going under. I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a very sluggish game. Offensive game, 46.5 is the predominant number. You can get some 47 as well. I would not be surprised if this is a low-scoring game where it takes time for the teams to get going. I don't mind the first half under 23 either. See if you can get a a 23.5 or a 24 by kick. But I don't mind the under here. That would be the angle I would go with. This is just a really difficult game to handicap across the board here on... The Raiders and the Giants, prop wise. Another difficult prop one. You look at maybe, again, you don't know if Saquon Barkley's going to be there yet. He's questionable. passed through his COVID protocol after it being a false positive, still nursing that ankle. Maybe you go Kadarius Tony. Kenny Galladay expected to play, but I don't know how healthy he really is. This is a, just a, an extraordinarily difficult game to handicap. I do like, uh, just eyeballing it right now, if you can get an over three receptions for Brian Edwards, that would be something i look at. Again, there's just not a lot of players to throw to. Jones, Zay Jones, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renfro, the three wide receivers that have gotten any real game action with the Raiders that are going to be active for this one. Just a really difficult game to handicap there at the Meadowlands. Uh, no play on the side would only look to bet the total under, probably the first half more so than the full game with the Raiders and the New York Giants. Again, one o'clock Eastern tip to, uh, kickoff, I should say, not tip off, not playing basketball yet. Uh, college hoops, of course, Tuesday. NBA in full action, but the Giants and the Raiders. Are no play for me on that one tomorrow in MetLife in East Rutherford. When we get back here on Veasan's Bet Center. We are going to look at the primetime games. Really intriguing slate of primetime games here. The Tennessee Titans at the Rams. Matthew Stafford's banged up. Derrick Henry's not going to be there. And of course, Monday night, the Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Intriguing spot for the Steelers, who amazingly enough are four and three and have the Bears and the Lions the next two games at home a great opportunity to get the 6 and 3 for a team that looked dead in the water throughout this early portion but hey that's the Pittsburgh Steelers and they uh they uh, will play the bears on Monday and we'll break those games down next on Veeson's bet center here on Veeson the sports betting network
3: This is Beth Center on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Shoot for victory. Stream live TV and play for free this hoop season with the Hulu Plus Live TV prediction series. Join four free-to-play prediction pools for your shot at 20 grand in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Hulu now to get in on the action. This hoop season, it's time to have Hulu Plus Live TV. Terms and conditions apply, and other eligibility restrictions apply as well. See DraftKings.com for details. It is Veasan's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Parles. Happy to be with you. Two more NFL games to go through here in the Week Nine slate, and we will go to prime time. We'll start on Sunday night. No Derrick Henry, as we know, for the Tennessee Titans. Unfortunately, the broken foot for Henry is going to knock him out at least six weeks, potentially the entire season. So this would have, with Henry, I would have guessed four and a half. Now you're seeing seven with seven and a half predominantly earlier in the week. The Rams, uh, the, the Titans, I should say, taking money back to seven. Total 52-and-a-half here. Matthew Stafford isn't 100%. He is going to play in this game. Robert Woods isn't 100%. He's expected to play as well for the Rams. The Titans are on a run, as we'll look to their perspective first before going back to the Rams. The Titans are 6-and-2. The Titans' last three games have been... An emotional upset over Buffalo, a beatdown upset over Kansas City, and an emotional overtime upset against Indianapolis. It is very rare that teams win three straight games as dogs in the NFL. It very rarely happens. And to ask this team to go win a fourth as an underdog without their best player feels like a near impossible task. So we'll throw the money line out quickly. The Rams are a great teaser spot especially down to 1 cuz you're just asking them to win the game uh more than, more more than anything sure you could end up on a push uh which in then in turn would hurt would would uh would deaden your teaser but this is just a horrible spot even if Henry was playing for Tennessee Tennessee this year what what a weird season it's been for them At that beat down loss at the hands of the Cardinals week 1 Had that wild come-from-behind win against the Seahawks week two. Lost to the New York Jets. Granted, they had no wide receivers. By the way, also Julio Jones looking like he'll be able to go for the Tennessee Titans. But this is just so much to ask of Tennessee. Against the Ram team that I power-rated number one this week. A Ram team where their only loss came against Arizona. And look, they... The one seed is in grass for L.A. They have games against the Packers the Sunday after Thanksgiving. They have another game against the Cardinals. It is all for the taking there for the San Francisco 49ers, or excuse me, for the L.A. Rams, who also have two games against the 49ers left as well. They get that next week on Monday night. This is also from a prop perspective. Again, this is... A tough prop perspective week. Just not knowing how healthy Stafford and Robert Woods are in this game really messes up the prop market for me on the Rams side. I don't want anything to do with the 301 and a half, which is a huge number. I don't want to bet on Stafford to throw a pick. Tannehill over 270.5 and a half is intriguing, even though the Rams are the Rams have had a had, had a little bit of a mess against the pass. At times this year, even though they are better against a pass than against a run, Cooper Cup with a receiving total of 96.5. This shows how good Cooper Cup has been this year. That 96.5 is Cooper Cup's receiving total. But look, in the end here, this is a no play for me. If you made me bet it, I would look to take the seven. But this is just an extraordinarily tough spot. For the Titans, without their best player, three straight upset wins for Tennessee to go on the road against a really darn good football team. And if not the best, one of the the three best in the NFL with the L.A. Rams this year. Let's go to Monday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Chicago Bears. The Steelers are six and a half point favorites, lowest total of the week, 39. We're even seeing some 38 and a half populate the market now. The Steelers, (laughs) I don't know how to do it. Every single time you think they're done, they finagle their way back into the race. Three straight wins for Pittsburgh after three straight losses where they didn't look good at all against the Raiders in the 26-17 loss. Looked horrible against the Cincinnati Bengals in the 24-10 loss. And you know what, if... The refs got the block field goal call offside, right? You never know in that game against Green Bay. Maybe they pulled the upset out outright. They didn't cover that one. Three straight wins beating the Broncos 27-19. They did not cover, but they beat Seattle in the overtime Sunday night game with Geno Smith. And then winning outright in a really an ugly game where Mike Tomlin's decision to have Chris Boswell Attempt a fake field goal with a pass leading to Boswell getting concussed was just a, a overall disastrous decision. They couldn't even kick field goals the rest of the game, even though they got away with it in a 15-10 to win over the Browns as of right now. By the way, Boswell's going to be active. He cleared concussion protocol. He will be able to kick for the Steelers on Sunday, on Monday night. The Bears, on the other hand, Bears' offense was much better last week against the 49ers, but the defense got torched. Justin Fields, much more confident, very good with his legs, one of the best touchdown runs that anyone has had all year. Ten carries for 103 and a score, 175 through the air, touchdown and a pick. But the Bears have so many problems right now. That game last week was really an even game until that long third and 18, 70 yard play to Debo Samuel that flipped the game on its head. The Bears were in that game until that, and then the Niners really took the game over after that. Fields, of course, had the touchdown run at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then the missed PAT. Oh, man. Kickers. Kickers have been such, a, such an enigma this year in the NFL. Uh, I would look, even though I said in the last segment that if you're looking at Eliminator, Of the top five remaining choices, the Colts are number one at Circa Circa Survivor behind us. Uh, But the two through six choices that Pittsburgh was probably the most likely to lose. I think they're probably more likely to cover this game than to lose. And this total at 39, there's a stray 39 and a half. I'd be surprised that it's still there. I'll actually know in the book that it is. I'm not surprised 39 and a half is there. Maybe see if this total gets back to 40 anywhere and then bet it under. I don't see how the Bears really move the ball in this game. Pittsburgh's defense is healthy. And a little bit of addition by subtraction, not even having to waste time with Melvin Ingram, like they did have to earlier in the year, who was traded to Kansas City this week. That Pittsburgh defense and that pass rush is going to have a field day against that horrible offensive line of the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure how Chicago scores more than 10 in this game. And at 39 even, 38 and a half, I think Pittsburgh's capable of scoring more than 28 against anyone really. Their high watermark, Pittsburgh, this year has been 27 against Denver. I think this is a really good under. The under is the best, even though it is the lowest total on the board and is down from the 40 and a half at open, which was very high. Even at the current 39, it's still a good under to me. I don't see how you're getting points out of Chicago. And for the Chicago team total under is good as well. And the Steelers are not really not capable of scoring more than 28. 28-10 feels like a very realistic final here uh, with the Bears and the Steelers. Prop-wise, the only prop I would look at, <laughs> we're going back to the well. Not of my official plays, but I would look at it here. Going to our guy, the tight end, Pat Freemuth again, 34-and-a-half. Yes, we expect Eric Ebron to suit up, but Freemuth at 34-and-a-half, that's a lower total than it ended up closing last week against Cleveland. <laughs> I like that again. I Freemuth's got the Heath Miller vibes going now for Ben Roethlisberger, who again still has been highly mediocre this year. But is not turning the ball over in droves like he was earlier in the year, which was really the big problem for the Steelers. So Freo moves over 34-and-a-half. That's my favorite prop in that game for Monday night. That would be the only thing I would look at prop-wise in Pittsburgh and Chicago. Steelers laying six and a half total 39 for the Monday night showdown between the Steelers and the Bears. When we get back here on Vston's Bet Center, we'll go through my plays for Week 9. In the National Football League going oh, to do the old school handoff. Our guy Greg Peterson of the Greg Peterson Experience. We're gonna tee up what's coming up on his show as well. That's next on Vsin's Bet Center live at Circus Sports on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: If you dare.
3: This is Beth Center on V the Sports Betting Network.
4: The V mid Midseason Football Special is here. For only $99, you get everything we do here at v from now until the end of the football playoffs. Daily best bet email, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly plus in-depth data analysis on v and the upcoming College Hoops betting guide. I think the guy sitting to my left knows a thing or two about that. This is a great deal, and only $99 for the rest of football season. So sign up now, v slash subscribe. It is Veasan's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Parles, and uh, someone has invaded the pitch, as they would say, if, uh, in uh, across the pond. There, we Greg- are
5: taking over the stage, my friend.
4: Greg Peterson, who's going to be with you the next three hours on the Greg Peterson Experience, has joined me for the final segment, the old school handoff, which we have been missing at the network in recent times. So, Greg, I, I know you have a lot to catch up on for the show. There's a lot that happened today on. The Greg Peterson experience so I'm happy you can be here you're always early on time and you're going to be able to grade my plays this week for for the NFL so all that's, right that's gonna be the best part of it and let's go right to my plays here Greg and then uh let's do it. we'll see uh we'll see you if, if you're fading or following my <laughs> plays this week which by the way if you're just joining us of course uh our fade and follow our, our fade and follow segment today Greg I followed all five consensus from the circa survive, from the circa million poll, oh which is a which is a recipe for disaster in all likelihood, Greg. Hey,
5: sometimes when it comes to the NFL, if there is a sport that you wind up going fifty fifty in the most, when it comes to public versus the anti air quotes here sharp place, it is the NFL because we've seen some great weeks for the public this year, and we've seen some
4: not so great weeks. So, it all depends on what way it winds up falling. So uh, I'll, I'll start with my picks. Uh, you'll see them on the screen in a little bit. Uh, but I'll start with the Chargers laying the point and a half at Philadelphia. Oh, I can't uh, I, As we discussed oh. earlier, it just—it was surprise. It's surprising to me this number hasn't moved all week. And that's the only real hesitation I have with this, Greg, is that the Chargers, on paper, to me, are much better than Philadelphia. They this I I would have I I would have made it three and a half. Three maybe just because of the travel. But this is not budged all week long off one and a half. And I'm curious to see what, if Justin Herbert's hand is recovered at all, which was part of the reason he looked as horrible as he did against New England and maybe even Baltimore. Uh, there, The Chargers are missing two of their top corners. Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, is out and so is the other side on uh, the other side corner as well. So maybe the Eagles are able to move the ball. But the Chargers one and a half is On the middle of the screen, I went in chronological order here for the folks. I love it. Uh, The Patriots laying three and a half, as I said with Ben Wilson earlier. I don't care if it's P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold. They are graded as the same quarterback against a Bill Belichick defense. And I don't expect Carolina to be able to move the ball, even with Christian McCaffrey likely back tomorrow. He's activated off IR this morning. And New England's offense has started to find itself the last few weeks. Great play calling by Josh McDaniels over the last three weeks. Helping Mac Jones along. Even though I don't think Mac Jones played particularly well last week. And New England got away with it. Uh, Lane, the three and a half. If that comes back to three, that is an even bigger fire for me. If it comes back to three. We may get that by kick because of the McCaffrey news on that one. And then the last one, Greg. My beloved Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I, I did take a little bit of the seven and a half. Just because, look, I don't know what Jordan Love's going to be. I'll admit that right out of the gate. And I think the line move was proper, going from Rodgers to Love. But the Packers are getting healthier. Devontae Adams is back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's back. Yep. Alan Lazard is back. The top three receivers are all back for Green Bay after not playing. And, of course, that wild Miraculous win in Arizona for Green Bay in that horrible bet for horrible uh, bad beat for overbetters last week on Thursday night, Greg. But And I'll ask you this, too, because I asked this of Ben, and we talked about this earlier in the week, and Jason Weingarten made this point first on the numbers game this week. Are we certain that Jordan Love can't do what Daniel Jones did last week, which was have one turnover, play a pretty pedestrian game, but it being more than enough to cover a big number on the road against a Kansas City team that is just not particularly good. I think the Packers in this form are very, very capable of playing a similar game to the Giants and not only covering the seven and a half, but doing what the Giants couldn't and winning this game outright doesn't seem impossible to me.
5: I would not want to take the Packers to be able to win outright, but at the same time, I think that when it comes to the Packers, what I think a lot of people are forgetting about, this has been one of the best under teams in all of football. They have a very good defense. The front seven has been able to get a lot of pressure. So I take a look at that aspect of things. The secondary, despite the fact that they've had a couple of injuries, most notably Jair Alexander, they've been able to hold down the fort as well. I could see this being a little bit of an under game, and I could see this being a game in which the Packers wind up losing by, say, three, four points. So I'm right there with you. I think that taking seven and a half here with the Packers is a good play.
4: Total down to 48 from the 53 and a half without Rodgers. Now, I thought with Rodgers, this was a good under. Yeah. 48 is getting to the point where I'm, even with Jordan Love in. I'm a little bit shakier on. But if you maybe bet a total, I would only bet it under. Kansas City's offense stinks right now. They really are. They They're missing think. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire more than I think we would like to lead on. I think I, I, more than Edwards-Hilaire, Greg. They miss Sammy Watkins, who's now a Baltimore <laughs> Raven. They miss the ability of a second wide receiver to extend the field. Josh Gordon's been a big disappointment so far in the Chief uniform. Miko Hardman's been a big disappointment in the Chief uniform. Byron Pringle's of number five wide receiver. Like, you can't expect him to do much. And the other big issue that I mentioned earlier in the week, Travis Kelsey kind of looks like Gronk did at the end of his New England tenure, where injuries have just played such a role. And Kelsey's out there every week, and I'll give him credit for that. But Kelsey, like, he's so dejected during that game. The body language was bad. And Turn it over and his one big touch in the second half, the fumble against the Giants. Travis Kelsey not being right, and that's kind of when this Chief team signed. And yes, I know they made the Super Bowl in the midst of this, but the Travis Kelsey not being the old Travis Kelsey kind of started this, the Chiefs not covering run they've been on now for the better portion of 14 games.
5: What I find to be very intriguing as well is it's what the Chiefs are doing right now, and that's turning the ball over. And if you take a look at things, because... Well, you just wind up taking a look at the raw box score and the raw box score only. You see fumbles, you see interceptions, obviously yards. It doesn't point out what is necessarily happening with regards to dropped interceptions. It doesn't necessarily go into, oh, maybe a ball went off the defender's hands, wound up luckily going into the hands of a wide receiver. The Chiefs got away with a lot of those the last two years in doing a little bit more research on it because I was taking a look and it's like, man, Patrick Mahomes is throwing a bunch of interceptions. Feels like he's getting a little bit unlucky. It feels a little bit more like things are starting to even out because they did have, let's call what it is, a little bit of good fortune the last yes. years with not turning the ball over. Now it's starting to catch up with them.
4: Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in the interceptions right now with 10. Which is shocking because Trevor Lawrence
5: is still playing quarterback. Well,
4: oh, wow. Wow. I didn't expect a large shot there. I thought you were going to go with the Wilson
5: uh, it's shot. It's not necessarily him. It's just a shot at Urban Meyer, who's clearly just there for the paycheck
4: and the paycheck only. By the way, uh, James Robinson more than likely not going to go as of right now for Jacksonville, which Brutal. means, which means uh, a lot of Carlos Hyde, which means Urban Meyer is going to be doing the golf clap on the sideline. Cause we get a lot of Carlos Hyde.
5: Oh, uh, he's going to be doing <laughs> the golf clap all the way to the unemployment <laughs> line at the end of the year as well.
4: well. We're all, all the way to the golf course uh, as well there, Greg. All right. Uh, Tonight, that the night that wasn't college football, Greg, real quick, uh, and then I'll give you a little bit of college basketball before we go here right. and you start off on the GPE. Alabama struggles like heck to beat LSU 20-14. to 14. Ohio State struggles to beat Nebraska by 9. Georgia rolls my alma mater, Missouri, easily, but Missouri covers the 40. Finally. Finally, the first cover, the last team to have their cover in the FBS this year. Uh, Michigan State loses outright. Cincinnati looks mediocre. Oregon wins by 10. Thanks to... uh, Wake Forest loses. Wake Forest loses. Oklahoma didn't play. The committee got really lucky with some of the results today, where they can discount Michigan State and put Ohio State in the top four. Oregon, not overly impressive, but wins against a a good conference team. And Wake Forest, they don't even have to worry about anymore. And Cincinnati has now looked mediocre for three straight weeks. The committee has proven right off of what they were saying on Tuesday.
5: Yep, I totally agree with you. The committee... They've got to be sitting there sitting there, like, yeah, we did a really good job on this one because I felt like Wake Forest might have been a little bit too low at number nine. Now, obviously, the strength of schedule wasn't necessarily the world's greatest with them, but I felt like they deserved a little bit more love. Now we can have that conversation go to an end because there's going to be no ACC school. That winds up making the college football playoff, and now the question becomes, can Oregon win out? Because if they wind drop dropping a single game, now you're taking a look at the ACC and the Pac-12, both not having a team in the college football playoff.
4: Greg, you know, in 30 seconds here, on a scale to 1 to 100, you are 100% ready for college basketball on Tuesday. More
5: like 150%. <laughs> and we're going to be talking a lot about that on the Greg Peterson Experience Hour number two. Don't you worry, my friend.
4: Greg Peterson Experience is coming up next on this very network. That's all the time we have on Vison's Bet Center. Greg Peterson, the guy to my left going to be 3 the next 3 hours on the Greg Peterson Experience. I'm Jeff Parles. I'll see you next time on Vison's Bet Center, the GPE. Next on Vison.
1: work.